0: 10:32. Um, we can start. Uh, welcome. My name is Gorsunder das. I'm going to speak on the third verse of the Shikshastakam. Um, Padma Maharaj asked me to give classes for um, this time leading up to Gopurnima. so um, I agreed. And he gave a couple. He gave a couple um, suggestions of what I should speak on, and um, this was one of them. And I. I kind of chose to do I chose to do this one, not because I have um, really any insight or skill in this third verse or any of the qualities. uh, Any of the qualities listed, but just because um, these are these are things that I need to practice mostly for myself. the third verse is of course, of course very famous. So, anyhow, I'll just start by by saying
1: uh, a little Mongolian charm. Omgyanat mirandasya gyanandana shalakaya <laughs> chakshuruni tamyena tasmai shri guru ben. yajnayukthirichakshanam tagaviro, vayishishtra-shakyasara, vande haṁ jikurārināma kayyatiṁ shri Krishna Chaitanya nityanando sahodito, gotu dāyipushpavanto chitrosandotamo nito, vande haṁ shri rāmakrishno habayacarana sukado paramanando sundaro subhalapriyo He Krishna Karuna Sindhu Dhinavandhu Jagatpate Kopisha-kopika-kanta-radha-kanta-anamostate Daptakanchanagorangi-radhe-vrindavanesvari
0: okay so um like i was like i was mentioning i um i i chose this subject not because i have any accomplishments or insights into into it but mostly because i need to improve these things in in myself and i thought it would be a good thing um for me to spend some time some time thinking and meditating on this verse and figuring out how, how I could apply them um, into my own life. So, of course, I'm talking about the third verse of the Shikshastakam, which we're all um, familiar with, I'm sure. Um, it's a verse that, that we all know. It's very beautiful, a very simple verse. It's probably the most famous verse um, in the Shikshastakam um, the shikshastakam, of course, this is where we find the verse primarily, is, is um, one of the only things composed by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself. Um, the the shikshastakam as a whole is very important because it's, it, it comes as the very conclusion of the Chaitanya Charita, the whole The whole book ends kind of on the note of, of Mahaprabhu's verses of, of the shikshastakam. And in the shikshastakam, actually Mahaprabhu, you know, we see that he achieved his aim of of becoming of you know feeling what Radha feels by by becoming stepping into the role of one of her uh, her maidservants. So it's it's a very powerful astakam. Astakam means eight eight verses. Um, and it's one of the other reason why it's so important is because you know, being Gaudiya Vaishnava's followers of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, it's one of the, the very few things um, that are attributed to to his own hand, to his own his own writing. There's a, a few other verses I think that have been attributed to him. The the ones that I know of are the Naham Vipra Nachanara verse that we sing, uh, that we chant before going on the altar or doing um, puja. You know, I'm not a Brahmin, I'm not a Kshatriya. I'm not part of the Varnashram, but I am the servant of the servant of, of Krishna, that verse. And then the other one, which is one that Gumaraj often likes to quote, is Upanishadam dure uh, So this is another verse that's been a- attributed to Mahaprabhu, where he says that the talks of Harikata are, are far from the sounds of the Upanishads. So besides these two verses, I think the only other ones that are attributed to Mahaprabhu himself are the verses of the Shikshatam. Um, all other Sampradayas have very lengthy, um, uh, you know, commentaries on the Vedanta Sutra in, in order to establish themselves. Mahaprabhu found that this had already been done in the in the Shrimad Bhagavatam, and so he kind of deferred to that. And so, as the founder of the Sampradaya, he didn't um, leave a whole whack of. of um, written works. Certainly his, his followers, the six Goswamis and on and on. There's a huge tradition of commentary and original compositions and whatnot in our lineage. But as for the founder himself, he, he didn't write too much and um that being because he he taught mostly through his example. He felt that the the Bhagavatam was a perfect commentary on the Vedanta Sutra, so there was no need to do that. And and then he taught primarily through his example, Gumraj likes to refer to the Chaitanya-lilas as the Acharya-lila, so the, the lila of teaching by example. Um, it's commonly said, actions speak louder than words, actions speak louder of uh, precepts, uh, actions speak louder than, than precepts. And when we look at Mahaprabhu's life and we look at Mahaprabhu's behavior and dealings and whatnot, um, his actions we see the very embodiment of this verse. Um, this third verse of Shikshastakam, which I, I think I didn't I didn't say the English of it, but basically it means um, I'll read Gumraj's translation of it. So it's Tranatapi Sunichena Tarodiva Sahishnuna Amanina Manadena Kirtaniya Sada Hari. Gumraj translates it in his commentary on Shikshastakam as being Humble like a blade of grass, being more tolerant than a tree, expecting no ad- admiration, yet showing others veneration, one should constantly, one should glorify Hedi constantly. So I didn't read the English of it. So Mahaprabhu clearly through his, just studying his character, his leelas, his behavior, his interactions with his devotees and whatnot, um, you know, is is very very much the embodiment of this verse. As are, you know, all the devote all the great devotees um, in our line. It's 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 actually a a description of of how one achieves offenseless chanting, and it's also a, a description of the character of those who are chanting offenselessly. So, all the great devotees, we see this these types of qualities in. Rupan sanatan especially, I'd like to talk about them a little bit later because they're like very like character study of of humility, but we see it all in all of them: Krishnadas Kabiraj, um, etc. So, like I said, he was a very very embodiment of these of this verse, primarily, and and of course of all of his teachings. The Shikshastakam itself is Shiksha, of course, means um, instruction or teaching. Astakam, eight. Verses. So these are the prayers. The, these are prayers of instruction, or prayers of um, of teachings of Mahaprabhu. They're instructions on how to perfect the chanting of of the mantra, which was, you know, his his main teaching, his main main emphasis. And they're also, you know, a very um, beautiful window into Mahaprabhu himself, into his own feelings. Uh, in relation to chanting the name and to his own experiences in in chanting the name these these verses are him explaining what he's feeling in in relation to the holy name bhakti Vinod interestingly comments that the, the shikshastakam itself that these the, the prayers of the shikshastakam reveal the leelas of radha and krishna um, and this is because they reveal the the bhajan in order to, the, the that leads to that um uh, you know the way and the worship that leads to entrance into into uh, the Leelaradatar and Krishna so so these these verses of of Shikshastakam are very important to us. Gumarsh's you know mentioned them they're like a road map um, road map uh, in the land of faith, which you know the land of faith the faith is a little bit more intangible than than this this realm, so it's it's very helpful for us to have some kind of roadmaps, markers, or uh, lamp, you know, posts along the way, so that we we can orient ourselves and know which direction we're going, um, which direction perhaps we should be going, that we're not going, etc. So it it describes this uh, progression, beginning with Shraddha, initial faith, um, through all the various stages um, of of devotional culture. Um, condensing ultimately to the to the stage of, of prema so um, we know these stages they're, they're found um, in the bhakti Rasamrita they're found in the um, um in the bhagavad itself actually in the second the, the the second chapter of the first canto um this this progression from shraddha to prema and this is kind of the you know the journey that we've underta- under that we're undertaking right now um these are also Maharsha, uh, Sorry, these are also Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's final instructions. Like like I mentioned, they come at the very end of the Chaitanya Charitamrita. So, this is kind of like this comes out in the height of his ecstasy. This Shikshastakam. He's surrounded only by his very um, very close, intimate devotees, uh, Srubdharmanagar Goswami and Rai Ramananda, um, and so it's 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 a very uh, it's like the culmination of the whole book it's the conclusion of the whole book and it's in a very very intimate setting so these are very special special Mm -hmm. verses mahaprabhu revealing you know revealing his realizations in his heart so they're very important and the verse that i want to speak about of course falls within these verses um I have been told that they originally appear in the Padyavali in a in a different arrangement um, and that Krishnas Kabiraj Goswami took these verses and arranged them in the order that we know today, that we find them um, in the Chaitanya Charitamrita.
1: Um
0: So it's a very unique astakam, most astakams have the same meter, right? When we think of like Damodar astakam or Gurva astakam, each verse um, follows the same meter. But this one is, this one is a little different. Um, each verse um, has a bit of a different makeup, a different meter. And the verse that we're discussing today, the Trinada P verse is, is nice, because it's actually it's this, this it's, it's in the most simple of meters, I forget what the name, of, the name of it is. But it's, it's, you know, very easy to remember, very easy to recite, only for you know only four lines and for me this was like really one of its its charms just that it was such a simple verse such a simple description um easy to remember easy to recite um so it's very very beautiful but the the whole shikshastakam itself is um you know Gumarj ends ends his commentary on the shikshastakam saying this he says um See. just simple but he says the the um the whole shikshastakam is worthy it's what is it? he says he says shri shikshastakam should be recited daily and its deep meaning should be contemplated over and over again so this is very nice i think in in iscon they um they chant the shikshastakam every morning um so i thought i would just recite the this shikshastakam for my own for my own benefit and also because i think it's it's important to see where this trinata p verse falls within the come itself that's the context in which we find it um, and and the stage that it corresponds to the solutions that it provides for some of the um uh, some of the impediments that we find earlier on so if you'll just uh if you'll just um humor me, I'm gonna just i re- am I'm gonna I'm gonna recite this Shikshastakam um at the beginning of every class. I'll do it a little bit faster in the next couple ones, but those Chaito
1: Dharpanamarjanam Bhava Mahadav Nirvapanam Shriya Kairavachandrika Vitaranam Vidyavadu Jivanam Anandam Buddhivardanam Pratipadam Punam Letas Vadanam Sarvatmasnapanam Param shri Krishna San Kirtanam. Nām nām kārī bahudā nīja-sādhā-śaktīś nanuradha pi suni amani dena Nadanam najanam na, na sundarim kavitam ba mamajanmani janmani, janmani bhavatad bhakti rahaitu ki kimkaram patitam am lishame bhavambudo kripaya tava pada pankaja stitaduvi sadhisham nayanam gala daraya vadanam gadgadarudai gira pula-kar-nichi-tam-vapu-kada-taba-nama-grahane-vavishyati taba itam nimishena chakshu shatra vishayitam jagatsarvam asli-shya-vapadam-ratam-pinastumam pinastumam ad mamahatam karotu vah yatatata-vavidatulam-pato-matrananatastu-saheva-naparaha
0: so as you can see, the, the third verse out of all the verses there is really the simplest and, and um, easiest to remember. Um, where we find it in the Shikshastakam is kind of near the more near the beginning. and um, I would say like the early earlier verses of the Shikshastakam are probably a bit more pertinent to our advancement. Um, The first verse, of course, Dharpana Marjanam Baba Mahadevagni Nirvalpanam is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu kind of like listing a uh, listing a series of of qualities of uh, qualities of the um, of chanting the holy name. So he says, like um, for example, um, it extinguishes the great forest fire, worldly life. It spreads the white lotus of good fortune. It cleanses the mirror of the mind. So he's listing off all these kind of amazing results of Shri Krishna Sankirtan. And this is done in order to, um, you know, to evoke faith in the reader, because they you hear all these wonderful things that happen from, from, from chanting, just the glories of the holy name. So these these verses in the beginning they might be a little bit more pertinent to us. The second verse as well, where he feels some res, remorse for not you know being at, attracted to all these things, and then it's especially the third verse. This is like uh, Gurmata said. The third verse, in a sense, is really the key to the shikshastakam to um, But it's you know at all stages of advancement, all the verses of the shikshastakam come are relevant. It's not that some of them are relevant at some point and others that are not, but um, you know certainly someone in an advanced stage would have find a lot of relevance in the earlier verses and someone in in the the um earlier stages would also find a lot of relevance in the later verses but um you know it's a it's a little bit like like the the earlier verses might be a little bit more useful to us so the the first verse ends um kind of saying exclusive sri krishna Sankirtan triumphs overall that's the line param vijayate sri krishna sankirtanam so a, a, a couple things with that is that um it gives us the goal basically of you know the the the, the, the goal of the shikshastakam is param vijayate sri krishna sankirtanam complete full unmotivated uninterrupted chanting uh haitakya prith apatita sankirtan that's what you know San means complete and kirtan you know glorification kirtan so when he says, you know, "Vijayate Sri Krishna Sankirtanam," it, it doesn't mean like it means victory to complete chanting. So that can be thought of as Sankirtan as we think of it, maybe like devotees going out on the street. But you know, it certainly doesn't doesn't refer to you know devotees taking over the world by by going out on Sankirtan or, or some kind of idea like that. It's it's more that that it it, it refers to complete complete chanting. So that can only like complete chanting kind of for oneself, perfected chanting, the the completely pure chanting. But what that also means and what it also entails, of course, is that complete chanting, can, it can only happen in the association of devotees. So then we see Sankirtan, it also means chanting with others. So this complete um, glorification, this complete Kirtan, Sankirtan, sankirtan can only really happen in um, in the association of devotees. And in order to have perfect chanting, uh, um, well, with the devotees, well, and to, you know, to do that, in order to, you know, really take advantage, and be in the association of the devotees, we need to have the four qualities that are cultivated, that are that are mentioned in verse three. So there's humility, tolerance, not desiring respect, no pratishta, and then offering respect to others. And then the fifth is, is a little bit apart and, and um, somewhat in a different category, but that's constant chanting. But to be in the association of devotees and to really take advantage of, of being in the association of devotees, certainly we need to have the, 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 the four initial qualities mentioned in, first, in verse three. And, um, whoa, my chair sunk. Hold on. So Mahaprabhu, uh, he then goes on um, to, to trumpet the glories again further in the second verse, right? He says, um, uh, the second verse, he goes on to say that, the, you know, there are no hard and fast rules for chanting the name. There's no, you know, all of the powers, all of the shaktis, so many names you've, ma- this is how Guru Mahārāj chants it, so many names you've manifest and invest, invested in them all your power. There's no hour, no rule to recall them. So again, he's kind of um, the, the the glorification of the first verse is spilling over into the second verse, where he's saying this Nam Namakari Bahunani Jasarvasyakti, all all of your power is in this name. Um, but then it, it, there comes this big shift, right, in this in the second part of the second verse, where he he starts to feel remorseful because he's just given this long verse in the first verse and continued on in the second verse, trumpeting kind of these glories of the of the holy name. But then in the second half of the verse he it shifts and he plunges like into an ocean of despair, Gumaj says, where he goes, Oh Bhagavan, your mercy is so great, but just see my fate and misfortune. For your name I have no attraction. So Mahaprabhu then shifts into this into this um you know these feeling these intense feelings of of, of um what would be the right of, well despair and We start to see humility here so it brings us to a point that we're all familiar with um one of the reasons why the the third verse of the shikshastakam is so important to us this is at least for most devotees and from for myself really where we find ourselves we have a lot of knowledge um from the grace of our our teachers and our gurus about the glories of the holy name the 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 path of bhakti and whatnot yet, but still we find ourselves, you know, not not where we would like to be, Um, and and it's it's very consoling to see, you know, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is laying this out for us. You know, he's 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 um, we can kind of like identify with him here. Um, So so this is a you know a really important in the shikshastakam and, and uh Chitani mahaprabhu has presented the problem kind of and um he gives the solution in the next verse which is the verse under discussion today the third verse of the shikshastakam you know why despite all the glories of of uh shri krishna sankirtan in the first verse in the second verse why do we have no taste for it um this is this is mahaprabhu's doubt um so it's an interesting point, actually. Even here, you know, here Mahaprabhu has a doubt. Guruji often says, you know, it's okay to doubt. That one should come to the guru and and place one's doubts. Uh, so doubting is not a not necessarily a a bad thing. Here we see Mahaprabhu, you know, having some doubt. So um, uh, uh, Guruji explains this in terms of uh, thesis. Um, antithesis and, and, thins- and synthesis that um, the thesis is given in the first verse by Mahaprabhu. The antithesis is the doubt that, that Mahaprabhu raises here that despite all of this, I have no taste for it. Um, and the synthesis or the siddhanta comes um, in the next verse in, in the terms of the solution to the problems. And and the siddhanta is that, Gumaraj explains this, that it's that the name must be approached with humility. Found at the end of this second verse, and expressed especially um, expressed in the first verse, and it, what it implies is that one must humble oneself before the, the bearer of it. So one must humble oneself before the holy name, but also the one who brings us the holy name, the Vaishnavs, and ultimately um, the Guru. So this is kind of just like a lead up of where that this verse falls in the in the context of the Shikshastakam. Um, so just, just by looking at the verses leading up to it and where it's it's found in the sequence, where it's located in the sequ- sequence, we kind of start to get an idea of why it's so important to the devotees and see some of its beautiful characteristics. It's, it, you know, I guess just generally why it's so important to the devotees is it because it gives us the solution. Well, one, it gives us the solution to the predicament that most of us find ourselves in that, um, we're dealing with the fact that we don't have um taste or or our taste is at least fleeting or unsteady and that we're dealing with um the reason why this is happening is because we're dealing with anartas and and aparads and that's what the word durdaivam, this misfortune refers to. It refers to these anarthas or misplaced values that that we carry on with us that help create kind of this this um the false ego which is just like a you know a dead weight that we're that that we're carrying with us um so it's 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 nice to see where this verse falls falls in the shakshastakum because it's a really it's a, a real help to us it 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 describes um like the solution and the the tools that we can use in order to, to overcome our offenses and get to the stage of, of Nishtha, get to the stage of being fixed in our practice, which Gourmaj has described as kind of the interim goal. But the other thing it does is it also gives the symptoms of someone who is chanting offensively. So it's kind of two things at once. From one side, it's telling us, um, you know, use these these tools and qualities or in order to overcome your offenses and you will get to to um kirtanayini sadahari offenseless chanting and it also describes the characteristics and qualities of someone who is doing that who is who is constantly chanting the holy name so these are some of the the, the beautiful characteristics of the verse i was trying i was kind of thinking about you know, I was trying to come up with kind of some things that I wanted to talk about, about why this verse is special. So this is kind of just like locating it first in the Shikshastakam. And um, so, so some, some things that I found that were really nice about this verse is that it really runs through, and I'll kind of go into them in more detail as, as we go through these classes, is that it really runs through the beginning, the middle, and the end of our practice. It's some. It's like a thread. Um, it's a thread that's with us through through throughout all of our sadhana from from being a neophyte to making some progress and we find this verse really embodied and and just as important in the in the um in the the the, you know not the end of our practice because the practice never ends but that's the point kind of is that the verse never ends it's not something just found in the earlier stages but it it follows it follows the devotee um on into eternity basically uh, so that was that was one thing. Um, like I mentioned, it gives the method in order to deal with offenses. Our problem is are, are these obstacles and and whatnot on the path of bhakti that are preventing us from going forward? And this is kind of like like Umar said, the key to the shikshastakam. This gives us um, the method to deal with with offenses and ultimately, like uh, you know, the the path to to pure chanting. I think Umar just described it. Is it? Um, I forget how he said it It was very poetic, though, that, you know, this is, this, this paves the way to, to offenseless chanting. Um, And these four things, humility, tolerance, the lack of pratishta, and offering respect to others according to their position. um, um, You know, these can be used to combat all the challenges um, and all the baggage we experience in our practice. Um, And I'll get into that later, but... Uh, and it's also a really nice verse because it, it, it represents the stage of Nishtha, but it's, it's a very, which is kind of like an in, you know, a stage that would be really great to get to. Gumash describes Nishtha as, you know, you, you're going up the hill, up the hill, up the hill. And when you get to Nishtha, basically you get to the top of the hill and you can see down where you're going. And, and there's momentum from there on until Nishtha can feel like pushing a boulder up, up a hill. Of course it's not really our it's not our effort that does that it's mercy but um it's kind of like a uh interim goal so it's it's a nice verse because it represents that stage of nishtha and it's appropriate place to to really apply some of our effort um you know to to reach that goal it's gumarash has actually described the, the this verse as at the four regulative principles for the devotees so when we hear of four regulative principles, it can, you know, most of us think of them as, as um, the way that Prabhupada described them. And it was, it was kind of nice once when Gumraj came out and said, these are the four regulative principles for the Vaishnavas, it's to be humble, it's to be tolerant and merciful, to- mercy being an extension of tolerance. It's to not you know, not desire any attention for yourself and also offer respect to everyone as everyone is a resting, a resting place of Krishna. So if you follow these four and constant chanting, of course, I'm not forgetting that one. That's that's the fifth one, at, at the end. But so these five things are are the regulative principles of Vaishnavism, and you'll find if you were to follow these perfectly, those other kind of a little bit more relative principles like, you know, vegetarianism and uh, some kind of contra- constraint on stuff. All these things you would find that they 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 fall within these five regulative principles. And these are, another thing of this verse, of course, is these are really like, they're the the regulative principles of the devotee and they're also, these are what ornament the devotee. These are the ornaments of the devotee. Like I was mentioning, they're the symptoms of offenseless chanting. So um, they're they're the route to get to offenseless chanting, but also they're the symptom of offenseless chanting. So they're the beautiful ornaments, you know, of the devotees um of the sadhus sadhubushanam there's a nice verse uh, i might quote later um describing the ornaments of the devotees it's not you know the ornaments of the devotees is is something more than jewelry and and um you know specific marks to identify yourself as one group or, or this group or that group sectarian marks or sectarian haircuts sectarian is not a bad word it's not a bad word at all. Um, but there's more to the to the uh, ornaments of the sadhus than that and and this verse is, is referred there. The other reason why this verse is, is very beautiful is that it, it really kind of encapsulates, <clears throat> I mean not in, not directly, but it kind of encapsulates this, this idea of the golden rule that we find, you know that pervades all religions. Um, like these qualities, they are, are universally accepted as being good qualities. And um, Bhakti Vinod, in, in in relation to tolerance, extends that um, to compassion and mercy. He he finds the connection there, but also the idea, I think, of honoring others and showing respect to others. You know, to truly respect someone else is not just to like glorify them and say them say that you're great, but it's actually to acknowledge. You know their space their being and whatnot so it it ties it into this this idea of that we find in all religions that you know to treat others as you would like to be treated yourself um um so and and, you know this is actually like the this is what what defines a real rigid real religion because this is where you really find um practical ego effacement gumraj has said any religion for it to be kind of like a real legitimate spiritual tradition has to be an ego effacing tradition an ego effacement is really done um by following these types of of golden rules that we find throughout all the world's religions of of treating others the way that one would want to be treated or treating others better better than how we would want to be treated I just need some water. We have these cicadas here right now, and they're really loud. I don't know if you, if they come through the microphone as loud as they come through my ears, but it's making me speak really. Loudly. My, my throat's going sore. They get really, they start really hard in the morning, and then at noon they get really hard too. I mean, they're going all day. But it's like they're chanting Gayatri <laughs> in the morning they start going real hard and they're going all day but then at, at right at noon they go real hard again and then uh, the evening Arctic it's like right at six o'clock at the three sundias they go nuts but the last couple years they've been going all day with waves of, of intensity at the, th- at the at the at the tree sundia <laughs> so yeah, anyhow, I was saying this, This, you know, these types of golden rules of, of um, these are really kind of like the way that one practices ego effacement, some sort of active form of ego effacement, because you have to step outside yourself, you have to, uh, you know, enshrine somebody else in the center, um, and displace yourself from the center. And like, that's the hallmark of any kind of real religion. So, so I think this is a really nice... Verse in, in that sense, and also in that in that sense, but just because it's a really simple verse, and it's a really simple definition of the religion of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So we have a very complicated theology, um, very you know in-depth lists, and I mean it's 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 beautiful, and it's beautiful, but sometimes it's nice to just have like a very simple definition of what. The religion of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is. If somebody asks you, "What do you believe in?" You know, um, it's not. You can. Re- it's nice. You can just reply with this verse: "Trinada pi sunichina, tarori amani nama Kirtaniya kirtanee I believe in humility, tolerance, not expecting respect, respecting but respecting everybody else, and constantly chanting the name of God. Now, I think it's a really nice definition because I think I think most people in the world would really appreciate it if they were to ask you what do you believe in, you know, and you responded with this verse, I believe in chanting the holy name of God and practicing these these qualities, I think will be very attractive. And people would really be able to get on board with it. It's like uh, Bhakti, Minod sings in one of, Bhakti Minod sings in one of his songs, Bhakti Minod sings in one of the songs, the essence of Dharma is Jiva doi, compassion to the to Jivas and Krishna, Krishna Nam. It's the same thing. It's a, it's kind of saying the same thing. So I I appreciated this third verse in the sense that it was a really nice definition of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's religion, you know, and and um, sometimes these simple, beautiful kind of uh, things are more powerful than the complicated philosophical theological descriptions and uh the, the the last reason that I kind of came up with that why I really like this verse was also because it's really the foundation that um, devotional communities are are based on and the way that they're they're sustained so you know here we're trying to to um, create a sustainable devotional community um, and at the base of it there needs to be this another way of saying it is love and trust prabhupada said that's that's how you should be how you should run things is through love and trust. Um, But this verse clearly ties into all that and is a really nice kind of like um, foundation stone for devotional communities, because devotional communities are really about relationships, devotees, they're not so much about pieces of land and buildings and whatnot, but they're, they're how we um, behave and interact and treat Um, other devotees so i like this verse because it it really um shows how to sustain a devotional community um so those were a couple things about it but i I thought we would start uh looking at this verse exploring this verse by seeing its importance by the sheer number of times that it's quoted in the chaitanya Charitamrita. now you can understand that something's important um through repetition especially in our tradition that's that's a repetition is a big key so we find you know this verse has been quoted three times in the Charitamrita. now i didn't have a chance to go and look and see what other verses are are quoted three times there's certainly verses that are co- quoted twice we came across one just in our readings of the first of, of the adi lila the other day i forget what it was but um, it is found three times in the Chaitanya charitamrita Grumaj uh, shares about how he was a young man and he started reading the Chaitanya charitamrita for the first time. He was like enthused because all he found like, you know, all the important verses were kind of compiled by Krishnadas Kaviraj and of course all of his own original composition, but he took verses from the the uh bhagavatam and verses from the gita and it was and bhakti rasamrita sindhu as well and it was all found in the chaitanya charitamrita gumarash found this very enthusing so this verse um, uh, like i said we find it three times throughout the text now when something is repeated three times it means that it's it's very important and that one should pay attention there there's a lot surrounding this verse that's that you know our charis are saying pay attention to this verse pay attention to this verse it says it itself actually in the first the first quoting of this verse in the in the first place that it's found in the chaitanya Charitamrita. the importance of something being re- repeated three times is um is, is emphasized in that context you probably you probably know the where it's found or or the verse the ver- we the probably the most famous verse that has something repeated three times it has it repeated three times within the verse, harinam 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 eva kevalam kalo nastyeva Nastieva, that verse, right? It's, we find, we find it uh, repeated three times in the first part of the verse and three times in the second part, second part of the verse, like, you know, to make the, the emphasis, the importance. And that's where we find the first time the Trinada Pi Sunichina verse is quoted in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, I mean, That would be in the Adi Lila, chapter 17. Uh, it's called The Pastimes of Lord Chaitanya in His Youth, and it's in verse it's verse 31 where it's quoted. But this section is like a brief recounting of earlier pastimes of Mahaprabhu. Um, it's, it's kind of like a summary. I think the, the idea is that uh, Krishna's Kararaj Swami didn't know how long he was going to live, so he he went through kind of a quick uh, recitation of Mahaprabhu's verses, and then um, kind of went back and, and kept writing. Um, I think that's one way to think about it. Or he just he just had so much taste, he wanted to recite uh, recite all the pastimes of Mahaprabhu first before getting into the, getting to, into the, the heart of the book. Um, but it tells the story of Mahaprabhu, it starts by, by just recounting very briefly this, the, um, the story of Mahaprabhu eating the raw rice given to him by Shukumbar Brahmachari. Um, and then he ex- very elaborately explains the Harinama verse mentioned. Uh, you know that famous verse that I just cited from the, the Brihad of Purana. So in that description of the verse, it comments. Let's see. I have the Chaitanya Charitamrita right here. This giant, giant one-volume edition. But it says like, um, like in the description of the verse, it comments it in the text here, when describing the verse, it itself comments that, that um, kind of making the point that I'm trying to make here, that, that the repetition of something three times um, means that it's very, very important. So I'll just read it. I'll just read the English section for, for a moment. It says, um, after this incident, the Lord ate the raw rice given by Shukumbar Brahmachari and explained very elaborately the import of the Harinam shloka mentioned in Brihad Naradiya Purana. So this is the verse. Harinama, Harinama Eva eva gatir anjita. In this age of Kali, there is no means, no other means, no other means for the realization of chanting the holy name, chanting the holy name, chanting the holy name of Hari. There is no other means of self-realization, sorry. And then it goes on with, this is actually another beautiful verse. Kali, Kali, nama rupa, krishna avatar, nama haite haya sarva, jagat nishtara. In this age of Kali, the holy name of the Lord, the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra, is the incarnation of Lord Krishna. Simply by chanting the holy name, one associates with the Lord directly. Anyone who does this is certainly delivered. This kind of gives a a little bit of an insight into why, how one deals with one's offenses. The the prescription for dealing with offenses is constant chanting of the holy name. and Why is that? It's because... um, the name, and the, the, the named are non-different, from so you're you're actually in, 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 you know, if you're paying attention, <laughs> you're in the presence of Krishna, and that's how one overcomes offenses. Um, so that's given here, but then it goes, this verse, this is, I'm just going to read the English here, it goes, this verse repeats the word eva, certainly three times for emphasis, and it also three times repeats harinama, the holy name of the Lord, just to make the common people understand you, the use of the word kevala prohibits all other processes, such as cultivation of knowledge, practice of mystic yoga, or performance of austerities and fruitive activities. This verse clearly states that anyone who accepts any other path cannot be delivered. This is the reason for the triple repetition, nothing else, nothing else, nothing else, which emphasizes the real processes, process of self-realization. To chant the holy names always, one should be humbler than the grass in the street, devoid of all desire for personal honour but one should offer others all respectful obeisances. A devotee engaged in chanting the holy name of the Lord should practice forbearance like that of a tree. Even if rebuked or chastised, he should not say anything to others to retaliate. For even if one cuts a tree, it never protests. And even if, if it is drying up and dying, it does not ask anyone for water. Thus a Vaishnava should not ask anything from anyone. If someone gives him something without being asked, he should accept it, but if nothing comes, the Vaishnava should be satisfied to eat whatever vegetables and fruits are easily available. One should strictly follow the principles of always chanting the holy name, and one should be satisfied with whatever he gets easily. Such devotional behavior solidly maintains one's devotional service. And then Trinada na tarori vasahishnana amanina manadena kirtaniya One who thinks himself lower than the grass, who is more tolerant than a tree and who does not expect personal honor yet is always prepared to give all respects to others can very easily always chant the holy name of the Lord. And then this is a beautiful verse too. Raising my hands, I declare, everyone, please hear me. String this verse on the thread of the holy name and wear it on your neck for continuous remembrance so this is this i just read you the section where the the Trinotipi verse first comes so there's nice instructions in there about about the verse about um you know the uh, the tolerance of the tree and whatnot um, but the, the what i found interesting mostly about this this section is that it's emphasizing the triple repetition in 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 the verse. Um, so it gives credence kind of to the point that the Trinada P verse itself is repeated three times throughout the text. So, um, it you know, I, I kind of said it explains why the chanting is so important because Kali Kali Nama Rupa Krishna avatar, it's the avatar of Krishna, it's Krishna directly, Haya Hayasarva Jagatha This verse explains how the chanting of the Maha Mantra purifies one from Manarthas. Um, those are what check our process, really. And with the chanting of the holy name, one is associating directly with Krishna. Because um, like, like I mentioned, the name, the, the Lord and his name are the same. So, it's, you know, these are important instructions that he's giving here in, in this first recitation of, of the Trinadipi verse, because it's, it's explaining how to understand, how to move past defensive chanting. Um, that's the subject of the third verse. You know, how to chant offenselessly. The symptoms of the offenseless chanter, as I've mentioned. The root cause of offensive chanting, um, according to Bhakti Vinod, um, is inattention. It's inattention. So it's like you're calling Krishna, who is directly non-different than his name. You're being inattentive. You're calling Krishna and then ignoring him. So uh, it's pretty... It's you know pretty rude really like say you invite somebody to your house and then once they get there you ignore them um you can see how it's not it's not conducive to taking advantage of their of their company um so that's know describes that as as the the kind of root of offensive chanting um, um but the other side of the coin is that you know if you're paying attention, being in the presence of the name is is the same as being in the presence of Krishna. You know, so the, and that's why these things of humility and tolerance and stuff naturally arise. Prabhupada says it in the purport here. He says that actually um, he says, but one actually engages in chanting the Hare Krishna mantra, the quality of forbearance automatically develops. A person advanced in spiritual consciousness need not develop it separately for a devotee develops all good quantities and the i mean that's that's one way to look at it one can also cultivate these qualities though because they're con- like because they are conducive to bhakti but it is true that they are natural kind of products because when you're in direct association with krishna you know your your real position becomes clear you're you know it's a natural humility is, is kind of fostered. If you're paying attention to the fact that you're actually in having audience with Krishna, you're actually in his presence, you know, your real position becomes clear. The the false ego, I mean, it's just like, it's totally useless. And when the false ego is gone, then, you know, fear is gone. There's no, I mean, it's amazing thing what the false ego does and what the, the troubles it causes us. So, you know, being in, being in position, being in, in, in the presence of Krishna, the, the, this natural humility arises, fear disappears, pride disappears. Um, you know, that's why the, the, this is the whole key to the shikshastakam. That's why Gumar said uh, this third verse is, is the whole key, the key to, to, to complete chanting. So like like we saw, the text then goes on to explain um, how the verse repeats Eva three times, it repeats Harinama three times, um, It explains the use of the word Kevala. Um, Guru in in relation to this verse is nice. He says that, well, it kind of says that in the text too. this repetition also means like not by Gyan, not by yoga, not by karma. Um, So this whole section basically, again, puts emphasis on this this, um, triple repetition. Um, The example of the tree is given as tolerance. and in fact, the, the five qualities described in the verse, this Trinata P verse, um, like I guess I've, I've kind of made this point, is that they come from they come from both ends. Um, they come as a practice. Like Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati has said that the third verse teaches one how to rise to the platform of of, of offenceless chanting. Um, it's a teaching on how to chant without offences, and it's also the symptoms that come naturally. Um, then. Going on here in verse twenty-nine and thirty, um, uh, he he utters the verse, and then Krishnadas I, I quoted it in 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 the Bengali because it's such a beautiful verse. But Krishnadas himself kind of you know speaks these very beautiful words, emphasizing again the importance of this he said I'll, I'll read it again that's that's like a one of the most beautiful verses in relation to the Trinata he says raising my hands I declare everyone please hear me string the verse on the thread of the holy name and wear it around your neck for, for constant remembrance so by doing that I mean by raising saying I'm raising my hands he's drawing attention to himself as the speaker and and you know, loudly declaring something as if you were in the street trying to get people's attention, um, and and the the uh, I don't know what the like literary term here is, but the you know, comparing it to the str- you know the string that one places the holy name on is I don't know what that is in a. I guess it's just. In, anyways, I don't know anything about lit- literary terms, but but it's a beautiful one me. Nonetheless, that you know, he refers to it as as basically the kanti mala. Um, that that you know, you should string the verse of the holy name and wear it around your neck like a kanti mala. Um, you know, so it's interesting that the kanti mala is not just this. It's not just it's not just wearing what you know. the 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 external ornaments of a devotee are the sika and the kanti mala, and here. Krishnadas Kaviraj is saying, well, the Kantimala is not just the tulsi beads. I mean, those are very special and beautiful and protective and, you know, part of the sadhaka day and whatnot, but it's, he's saying, you know, it's not, not, it's not just the tulsi beads. You can get all kinds of fancy tulsi beads these days. I mean, um, you know, all kinds of beautifully carved ones, one, you know, you just like go online and, and. You know all kinds of beautiful beads i've recently i saw pictures from you know of sadhus just like covered in 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 branches almost like so many beads upon beads upon beads upon you know almost almost branches like they they looked like a walking <laughs> bead store almost so it's it's all very nice and and very very beautiful part of the the the, the sadhaka deha in an esoteric sense um but this is kind of a different type of kanti mala that Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami is suggesting here. He's suggesting that the kanti mala here is is this verse: humility, tolerance, constant chanting, not not looking for respect, giving res- respect to others. Um, Bhakti Vinod, and I'm not sure where he says it, but he—I know—he refers to disciples of Kali, Kali Chela—that people can have it, they can have a, a sika, they can have a kanti mala, um, and they can look like a Vaishnava, but really they're just disciples of Kali. So they don't even—if if somebody doesn't have these qualities, or is at least not kind of striving in the direction of these qualities, then the external symbols are like, you know well I mean they're they're special but they're also they can also be neither here nor there I remember we were talking once with Gumraj I can't remember exactly what it was about but it was about precious metals <laughs> I know that I don't know I, I don't remember if it was we were talking about jewelry for the deities or um maybe we're talking about Krishna's favorite metal because I know we have a puja set all in copper and I think it says in the bhakti um oh what's that book called again just escaped my mind. Anyways, that Krishna's favorite metal is actually copper, um, not gold or whatever. You know, we we're talking about how there's bronze and more valuable than bronze is, is silver and more ba- valuable than silver is gold. And and Grumar said, yeah, but what's more valuable than a gold? Or, or he was saying, do you know what's more valuable than a gold necklace? I think we we're talking about jewelry, actually. And we couldn't we we're thinking i don't know platinum i don't know what's more valuable than a gold necklace and he said tulsi tulsi is more valuable than, than gold you know for many reasons um it's a, it identifies devotees vaishnavs it's part of the sadaka deha like i described in it also in a kind of esoteric sense gore lila it's suggested in the in the bhakti rasamrita sindhu so you know he made a really nice point there um that you know when we think of value gold Silver actually tulsi is more valuable than gold. I, I, I remember it. That I re- appreciated that point, partially because I really like gold. <laughs> but um, but you know anyone can put that on. Anybody you can just go anywhere and t- shop. You can go to krishnakulture.com and just like have tulsi malas sent to your house and put them on. Um, sent right to your mailbox. But the the, the k- kanti mala that's being described here is not so simple. It's not uh, so easy either to put on. It's not easy to practice or to embody these principles. Um, it's easy to be tolerant when there's nothing to tolerate, <laughs> or it's easy to be humble when there's nobody to humble yourself in front of so it's very easy to kind of like fool yourself into thinking that one's tolerant if you have nothing to tolerant n- nothing to tolerate but um uh, you know it's a different thing so um yeah, I don't know, I guess it's it's getting uh, to be 1130, so I should probably stop. I didn't get nearly as far as I thought I would. There's, um, this is just uh, the first place that this verse is quoted. So I'd like to go through the other places that the verse is quoted. Um, I'd like to speak about the different, the different lines that are actually given in the, uh, you know, talk a little bit about grass, talk a little bit about trees, <laughs> stuff like that. And I'd also like to talk about, I think Rupa and Sanatana Goswami as, as kind of character studies of, of, of humility and tolerance, but it seems like we're out of, out of time. So I'll just stop there and we can pick it up again. Um, I'll ask if, I guess if there's any uh, uh, comments or questions or corrections but uh i'm not exactly sure how how to do that hey sean sean how do i um un- how do i get questions how do i get questions or comments well the
1: written ones are in the
0: chat. okay maybe they're on them and if they want
1: to mute they, can they can unmute themselves
0: okay well, if you can unmute yourselves, if anybody has any comments or questions or would like to
1: correct anything I said, please feel free. No, there's nothing. That's us, I think. Okay, well. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. See y'all later.
0: Bye. Bye.